good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I would like to welcome everyone to yet another episode of the show. Uh, today, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of the managers sacked and in football, because there's been a lot of that recently, especially in the last, I would say, what, two, a week and a half to two? Uh, Graham Potter, Brendan Rodgers, uh, Julian Nagelmann, if I touch on that topic a little bit as well. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to get in, get started with uh, Leicester City a little bit, actually, because, you know, they're kind of in a fight to stay up in the Premier League. They're in that relegation battle. Frankly, I'm surprised that Brendan Rodgers has lasted this long because there were rumors about him getting sacked and rumors about him leaving the club. I want to say all the way back to prior to the World Cup, maybe mid to late November, early December, because the team wasn't doing well. And then they put together, string together some wins, and they kind of took the pressure off of him a little bit. And then eventually, you know, he finally gets sacked after what's been a pretty bad season for Leicester City because we're used to them being kind of not afraid of the big teams, the ability to beat the big dogs. We know that they won the Premier League a few years back. So we're, we kind of expect them to, you know, always cause havoc to be in the top half of the table to be some anywhere from 6th to 10th, I would say. And there were talks even two, three seasons ago that are they replacing Arsenal in the top six of Premier League football. Don't think that we forgot about that. We took that personally, <laughs> um, like the meme says. So, I mean, it was kind of overdue. I think that this Leicester City team shouldn't be in a fight to stay up. They have players like James Justin, uh, who is really good. Harvey Barnes is, is a very good player. James Vardy can still score goals. James Madison, uh, Patson Daka, even though he hasn't lived up to the hype since getting there, but uh, Dewsbury Hall, like they have a lot of really good players on, on this roster. Luke Thomas, who's who's decent as well. Uh, Tete, Somare. So there are players in this squad who are more than capable of being good players at this level. They just, this season, I think goalkeeping has been a bit of an issue with, with Danny Ward and Daniel uh, Everson now in, in goal, but you know, Casper Schmeichel left after being there for, I would say, at least 10 years, right? And it's kind of left a big hole in, in, in goal. I'm a poet, I didn't even know it, but the back line's been pretty bad as well. They've been conceding goals. They just... Age is starting to catch up to James Vardy a little bit. And we kind of expected that. I think we always thought that he was going to be a guy who scores 20-plus goals every single season in the Premier League. But age is starting to catch up to him a little bit. And I think them being in a, you know, Premier League pretty much dogfight right now to stay up, they had to make the decision to, to sack the manager and go in a different direction pretty much to see what they can salvage from this season. And, I mean, they finished eighth last year, right? And then this year they're in, in, in a fight to, um, to to stay up. So as of, as of right now, they're second last. They're 19th with 25 points. Uh, Bournemouth is third last with 27 and there's a log jam of one two three four teams with 27 points so they're not too far behind but 
you know, this isn't the position that they want to be in after finishing eighth last season. 40 goals scored, 51 conceded. 51 is a lot of goals to concede. So they've conceded the second most goals in the league. Third most goals, sorry. Behind Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest. And I think both Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest conceded six or seven in a match this season. I don't know if Leicester City has, but there you go. It just kind of proves to you that... Um, you know, that they have been conceding a lot of goals. They've been leaking a lot of goals. And it's interesting because they used to, I mean, we're used to them having, when they bought in N'Gola Kante for very low fee, when they brought in uh, Mars for a low fee. And I think we kind of looked at them as a club who's going to be able to do that every single season to, to make purchases like this and have guys pay off. And it hasn't worked well for them. Um, I mentioned Patson Dak. I think he's one of those players that they kind of brought in and I was sure as heck thought that he would be a 20 goal scorer right away. Uh, hasn't really worked out for him in the time that he's been there. Uh, and Kelechi Iannaccio from Manchester City when he was there, I thought that was a really good buy as well. I thought that they were seamlessly going to transition from James Vardy into uh, Iannaccio and it hasn't, again, worked out really well for them uh, either. So, yeah. Uh, a lot of work to do. Will they stay up? I think a lot of this depends on what the other teams do as well, obviously. I think that they do have enough to stay up, though. I think I think that experience of... I know a lot of these players, actually pretty much none of them were on that team that won the title, but I think having that experience of finishing in the top half of the table and having a James Vardy and having a James Madison in the club of Tillemans and, and Johnny Evans, there's a lot of guys who have experience in this in this club and I think that's gonna that's gonna be one of the reasons why they do stay up in the Premier League but we'll see I mean there's what nine matches left ten matches left to go so we'll see how well they do uh, going forward Graham Potter sacked by Chelsea so being an Arsenal fan you know you're always kind of happy and giggling when when your uh, rivals sack their manager but here's the thing so when Graham Potter took over at the time, I think a lot of people thought it was the right move. I did as well because of what he had done with Brighton. And I think that he, if he had took over any other club apart from a big six team, I think that would have been a not a step down, but a sideways step almost. Like kind of it's the same thing as Brighton. And Brighton's been exceptional this season as well. So Brighton is kind of like what I would say Leicester City was a number of years ago where they just the ability to beat the best teams they have the ability to beat the best teams I'm not saying that they do but they have the ability to do it and they do it often and they pick up points and they play really nice football and I think that's exactly kind of copy and paste of what Leicester City has done in the past so we kind of transitioned from Leicester to to Graham Potter's Brighton and then you know he gets the Chelsea job let me say one thing I think that um there was a point in the season where Chelsea literally had eight or nine of their players uh, out due to injury. So I don't know what you expect a manager to do in that situation. It's really tough to replace eight or nine guys in the lineup and to have the same type of success. And it was, I mean, it was all over the pitch, right? If I'm not mistaken, Conte was out, Kovacic was out. The goalkeeping situation, I think Mendy might have been out, but I mean, both of their 
wingbacks in terms of Reese James and Chilwell. I both think I think both of the guys are really good. Um, Zakaria has been out for a very long time. I think Aspilicueta was out at that time. Um, Fofana, who was out for three or four months, like they had a lot of guys out. Broya, who hasn't played at all this season, I don't think. Joao Felix came in and got a red card the first match. He missed three matches. Christian Pulis, uh, Pulisic was out as well. I mean, it was just way too many guys. It was just very difficult to overcome. Thiago Silva was out, I think. It's just way too much going on. And it's next to impossible to replace eight guys in your starting lineup and to expect results. But as guys started coming back, the results pretty much stay the same. I mean, Chelsea have something like nine wins, 10 losses, and 10 draws this season. It's as even as you can possibly get. And they've restructured the roster. Enzo Fernandez, uh, Mihal Mudrik, they brought in. They brought in some other players who haven't really um, lived up. Madueke from, uh, I think it was PSV that they brought him in from. I mean, Fofana, all these guys, none of them have really lived up to the hype. And again, injuries have a lot to do with this. A new manager, a new philosophy. Bringing in that many players at once, there's no chemistry. And I'm starting to realize how important chemistry is in all sports. It's very difficult to to purchase 10 guys, put them in the starting lineup, and tell them to produce for you. I think that's very difficult. Something that I don't think I realized when I was, even up until a year ago, I don't think I realized that it was that difficult to, to develop chemistry with with players. And and honestly, even as, as guys started coming back, the results didn't really change. And, you know, the management said that they had gave him his full backing, but eventually he ended up getting sacked. And that's kind of the price that you pay um, with with poor results. And I think the fact that Chelsea can't really move up or down uh, in the standings. They bring in Frank Lampard, who's familiar with the club, who's a club legend. I have no issues with him coming on as a caretaker because there's nothing really to... I mean, I think they're 11 points behind Spurs for for a Europa League spot, which is going to be next to impossible to catch with nine with uh, nine or 10 matches left, right? 11 points is going to be very difficult, even though Spurs aren't exactly a juggernaut either. But you have to leap over four, five, six teams just to get to that Europa League spot. And is that worth it? I don't know. I think a lot of teams wouldn't even... I don't want to say they wouldn't bother, but... I mean, if you don't get Europa League football, it's not a big deal because at least next season, you go into the season just worrying about the Premier League and the FA Cup. And you don't have to worry about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday nights in in Europa League. And whatever it is, I guess they'll still have, if they make it to the spot, they'll still have um, Conference League. So I don't think they care about that stuff at all. And I think that should be their goal, to finish... I mean, your goal should always be to finish as high as you can, but if you don't get there, I don't think it should be a big deal. They still have matches against Arsenal. I know that for a fact. I don't know who else they have on their on their schedule. They still have Arsenal, so that's a that's a match being a London Derby that they're going to want to win just for the bragging rights. But I mean, it's been it's been just a very very um, tough season for for the club, and I think. Heading into this season, I had Chelsea finishing somewhere around, I would say, fourth or fifth this season. So 
yeah, they haven't really uh, lived up to that. A lot of guys actually in and out of the roster as well. They sold a lot of guys. They picked up a lot of guys. So, um, yeah. So as I look at the roster or their schedule here, there's, they still have Arsenal from the big clubs. They still have Manchester City and they still have... So they have Newcastle and Manchester United. Manchester United might be the last match of the season. We'll see what happens. But they also face Newcastle. So so the Manchester United match is to be determined yet. I think that's a rescheduled match from earlier in the season. I don't know if they know when they're going to play that. But that Chelsea-Newcastle match could be huge for Europe, our um, Champions League implications. And their second last match of the season, as it stands right now, is Manchester City. That could also be play a big, big role in the title race. So, yeah. And it's just been a crazy season. I mean, one, two, three. So they have one streak of where they won four, four matches this season. It was against West Ham, Crystal Palace, Wolverhampton, and Aston Villa. So, you know. Yeah, it's been a tough match for Chelsea. Or it's been a tough season for Chelsea. I still think that hiring Grand Potter, they did the right thing. Um, so, yeah. And they have quarterfinals. That's right. They have quarterfinals of Champions League against Real Madrid. And if you saw Real Madrid last night firing on all cylinders against Barcelona, winning 4-0, uh, Real Madrid is, is obviously still very tough out. I mean, I don't even need to say that. They're one of the premier clubs in all football. They have been for a very long time, so that's going to be a tough draw. So I think for them now, the full focus is on, on Champions League probably. Um... Julian Nagelsmann, I, I wanted to, I don't, so it's not fair for me to really address it that much, but it, cause I don't know the full story, but you know, he's been, I've been reading in the, in kind of the tabloids and stuff that he's been complaining for a little while and, and the board has just got kind of sick and tired of his antics. So, you know, they gave him uh, the boot, they sacked him as well. The standings in the Bundesliga are also very, 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 very tight. Uh, every match matters, literally every point matters, uh, in the Bundesliga. So as I look at the title, so Manchester United or Manchester United, Bayern Munich at first, 70 or 55 points. Then we got Borussia Dortmund, 53, Union Berlin, who is kind of the surprise of the season, 51, Freiburg, 47, and, um, RB Leipzig to round out the top five is 45. So I think, uh, Leipzig and, and, uh, Freiburg kind of take out of the fold. So it's pretty much down to Union Berlin. Uh, Borussia Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich. So Bayern Munich has conceded, out of those teams, 29 goals. Union Berlin has conceded 28, but they've scored 76. And uh, Borussia, Borussia Dortmund has 57. So I think I think that they're going to end up winning uh, the title yet again. Uh, it's interesting because Julian Nagelsmann is very young, and as soon as he got sacked from the job, we started hearing PSG, we started hitting Chelsea, we started hitting Tottenham. So he's going to have clubs after him, and he's still very young. I think he's 35, 36 years of age. Crazy to believe. He's already managed three teams. Started managing, I think, at 27, 28. I still remember his first season, I believe it was with Hoffenheim. I literally couldn't believe, believe my ears when they were saying, you know, there's a 28, 29-year-old who's managing the club. But now we see it with, with uh, I believe it's Rems who have a very young manager as well who hasn't lost in something like 20 matches. So a lot of clubs are going with younger and younger man managers who have a different philosophy than 
maybe some older managers and who have gotten their way into football. So, so the Rem uh, manager, I should mention, doesn't even have his coaching license. So every time that they play a match, Rem has to Rem has to pay. I think it's twenty thousand euros because he doesn't have his coaching license. <laughs> so, so they continue to do that, and that's just it's just interesting. I mean, it's such a such a difference than what, what we would have 20 years ago even even 15 10 whatever the case may be we've kind of got into a completely different direction with this and teams are taking gambles on just regular joes i guess if you want to call us and it's in some cases it's paying off and i think for you know for Bayern munich they hire thomas tuchel a guy that has a lot of experience who managed borussia dortmund who was at chelsea who was at psg I think it was at some other clubs as well. I think maybe Mainz or something. So he has pedigree. And I think him being familiar with the league and obviously being German, I think it went a long way into who they were going to hire as their next manager. And they just got bounced out of the year, out of their uh, cup. So, you know, they have their league to kind of worry about as well. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just... A few results, a few bad results, a few matches where you don't get the full three points and you're kind of standing on thin ice waiting to get sacked, which is kind of what football's begun, uh, become. As I know especially some of the the, the smaller leagues, like in, in Serbia, you can't lose three or four matches, otherwise you're sacked. And it feels like there's just a rotation of six or seven managers who kind of go on to manage every single club in the first tier. And if there's no work in the first tier, they'll, they'll go to the second tier. And they'll manage there for a little bit. They'll maybe take a team up to the first tier. They'll lose three or four matches. They'll get sacked. And then it, it just the circle continues. Where they go to the next club, they get sacked there. And then whatever the case may be. So it's just a, just kind of like a rotating door of managers um, that happens in Europe. And I think I think football as a whole, we're going to see a lot of changes come this summer with, with managerial positions like Pacatino's looking for a job and there's Luis Enrique and there's a lot of guys uh, who are looking for jobs. I think Luis Enrique might end up with, with Chelsea and uh, Nagelsmann could, I think he'll go to PSG. We'll see what happens, but, and there's going to be openings in, in um, I think in, in Italy as well, Serie A with AC Milan not really living up and to the hype and Inter Milan and maybe Juventus. So there's going to be a lot of, lot of job openings uh, heading into the summer. Uh, Caitlin Clark and Angel Angel Reese. So I thought this was crazy. This whole celebration thing. From Angel Reese's point, I loved it. I loved the clapback from her. I think a lot of people did. I, I just, I mean, Caitlin Clark does it. I think she did it earlier in the tournament to another opponent. Then she does it to LSU with the you can't see me stuff. And then Angel Reese does it back and it's a big deal. I had I I absolutely loved it. I love I love competitiveness. Angel Reese isn't some player who's averaging five points and three rebounds on the season doing this. I think she averaged something like twenty and ten in the season, and she finished with fifteen, ten, and five. I think in the final. And the craziest part is, so this was all crazy and wacky the first two or three days, and then Caitlin Clark comes out and says. Angel Reese shouldn't 
suffer any consequences over what she did. It's just they're very competitive. Both of them are. She shouldn't be criticized for what she did. She won and she deserved it. And that's exactly it. That's that's exactly how it should be. I mean, we're all excited about how, you know, the Women's March Madness was and, you know, South Carolina didn't win. So that's a big deal because they were the powerhouse and UConn was a powerhouse for a number of years. I think like 15, 20 years. And then here comes LSU and they win it, right? So all of a sudden this this incident has completely overshadowed all the good that has happened in this tournament. And I don't think this incident is even that bad. Like it, it shouldn't overshadow. It's not like Angel Reese punched her or anything. She just clapped back a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think the only people who have a problem with it are the folks who bet on them bet on the game and lost the bet so i literally have no issues with this and they won by what i think it was 17 one one oh two eighty five it's a huge one for lsu and these ladies should be able to enjoy it just a little trash talk like i said caitlin clark had no issues with it because she's a competitor and so is angela reese and now we're making this big deal about a little point to the finger and all this other stuff. I think it's crazy. I think it's absolutely crazy. Um, so that's just my two cents. So all in all, I have no issues with what happened. I think it's just a non-story. Uh, NBA play-in, playoff. This is, I mean, it's getting real interesting now, right now, right? Dallas situation is kind of crazy. With Mark Cuban coming out and saying, well, you know, if Jalen Brunson's dad never got involved, blah, blah, blah. I don't, there's not a lot of folks who thought that this Dallas experiment would work with two ball dominant guys and Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic playing together. I think a lot of people saw that this wasn't going to work out. And when you consider where Dallas was prior to the trade deadline versus where they are right now fighting to stay in the play-in, I mean, it's a, it's a different stratosphere. Dallas pretty much traded the one guy on their roster who can defend. That was Finney Smith. And they sent him to Brooklyn. By the way, Brooklyn is fun. When the trade happened, a lot of people said, you know, they're basically writing, getting ready for next season. No, they're not. They're not ready for next season. They're ready for this season. They're ready for the playoffs. Fun team to watch. Um, Jock Vaughn needs to get some coach, uh, votes for, for Coach of the Year, I th- although I think Sacramento Coach has that. Um, in his back pocket, but uh, Mike Brown, I should mention. Um, but yeah, Brooklyn looks like they haven't missed a beat. You can argue that they're better now than when they had KD and those guys on the roster. I mean, it's just a fun bunch, bunch of dudes who know their roles. They play hard. They win games. And that's all you can really ask for. Whereas Dallas is kind of struggling. I know Lucas had some stuff off the, off the court issues and, Curry hasn't really, they haven't really fit in together. And at some point, you got to be able to play defense. And neither of your two best players can play defense. Literally, I don't think anyone in their starting lineup is a very good defender. So, yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation that they're in. I don't think Cuban really built that team well. And I'm not even questioning kind of like Jaylen, letting Jalen Brunson walk because he's not a good defender either. 
but Jalen Brunson went to a team that has scoring, that has defending, that has all this other stuff, and Dallas has none of that. And it's going to be very tough. I think the best thing for them to be, for them to do is just to not make the playoffs. Not on purpose, but just to not make the playoffs at all. And they were talking about shutting Luka and Kyrie down, I think it was last week or on the weekend. I think that would have been a stupid decision as well because there was still something to play for. And as long as there's something to play for, you should play all your guys if they're healthy. And I'm going to go as far as saying, even if you have teams that are upcoming on your schedule who have something to play for, you should still play your guys. Because now you're letting the other team get an easy win. And I don't I don't think that's fair either. So unless unless your your last two games you have like Houston twice and let's say your last four games you have Houston twice and Detroit and San Antonio, then maybe you you sit these guys. But if there's games that you know can determine the outcome of a season for someone or seeding, I think you should always play your guys. Although, you know, teams don't care about that stuff. As long as they're out, that's all they care about and they're going to do whatever they want. So that's just my two cents on that. Um, I think the West, obviously, as most people think, is is kind of wide open here. I think the East is Milwaukee and then kind of everyone else, or at least Milwaukee and then Boston, Philly, and then maybe a little bit of a gap. And then you have Cleveland and New York. And I think that Cleveland-New York series is going to be crazy in the playoffs. So I'm going to try to do a little preview before the playoffs I might do a recap of the teams who are currently out of the playoffs of like what's waiting for them down the road next season so uh, I might do a bit of that but that's the episode pretty much for today I just wanted to cover a few topics been a while since I recorded so so yeah I just wanted to talk about some of the sackings and and some of the other stuff going on in uh, women's basketball and NBA so yeah thank you guys for listening I appreciate it remember you can listen to this podcast on anchor fm Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. So once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch up again uh, down the road. Take care.